Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> I'm, feeling so, I'm feeling somewhat more human now. So, here we go. Some thoughts on that Everton game. This is a bit weird. This is a bit weird, actually, doing this a couple of days after the fact. I've done some, as I'm sure you know, a day after. But, what's this now? Two days after. And it's probably helpful with this one to have been allowed a bit of time to actually fester on that game anyway. Fester. Um, Because it wasn't very good really was it but it wasn't that bad either you know um well god that's some there's some searing insight for you <laughs> that's what you've been waiting two days for um that is the uh that is the cream cream of the crop of football analysis right i mean to be fair as far as the uk goes it generally is i don't know that's it's such a lazy thing to say isn't it but it is quite true. I think we all find ourselves... Right? I, 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 I get it, right? I'm going to go off on a tangent here and you know why. Um, I get it. People sort of will always say, well, they've got no insight on BT Sports or on Match of the Day. And part of that is they are making programmes that will appeal to millions of people. It's all well and good me <clears throat> doing this to a few thousand yeah, humble brag. <laughs> Doing this pod right to a few thousand people every now and again, and be like, "Wow, look at match of the day. They can't be real. They can't be authentic. They don't sit there and do Jordan Peterson <laughs> impressions, do they?" Um, and I'm not gonna. That is not gonna be my. If you've ever seen extras by Ricky Gervais, this Jordan Peterson thing is not gonna be my. You having a laugh moment? I'm sorry. Um, but right, it's very easy to sit there as a podcast and be like, wow, there's no insight on match of the day. But when you are actually making something that millions of people are watching, you do have to generally bring it down to the lowest common denominator, right? And I don't, I think it's a bit overstated sometimes quite how bad, especially on match of the day. I, I quite, I quite like match of the day. I think match of the day entirely does exactly what it says on the tin it's something for when people get home after a night out or have just been sat in on the sofa they're chilling out it's a nice cozy warm place it's not confrontational it's showing you the highlights of the day and there's just a bit of chat about the games after the after the fact right it doesn't need to be this kind of searing insight talking about different analyst analytical kind of you know models and things like that by which to watch football through um <clears throat> and <coughs> beg your pardon as you can hear it's not quite left me yet um it's been a real pick I, i'm gonna say i'm gonna absolutely fess up to this right now as far as toxic masculinity goes i have real 
honestly, honestly, and I can hold my hands up to it. I have real like toxic masculinity issues with getting ill. I really, I don't like it. I, I hate it. I don't like to milk it. I don't, I hate, I pride myself on the fact that I seldom get ill. I don't usually ever really get ill. And I like to be all like, well, oh, a well good immune system I do. F- five a day, you know, drinking water. Don't really drink soft drinks. Don't really drink that much alcohol. Ah, oh, my immune system's banging, that is. And then when I do get ill, I'm just like, you, you're pathetic. You're weak. You're pathetic. Um, but this, this cold has been, it's been a creeper. It has been a creeper. Been a real pig. Because um, I got congested for a little bit. When I did that, the pod I did the other night, was it Brentford? Yeah, the Wednesday pod. That was like heavy congestion, right? But I thought, it's not quite got me and it's not going to quite get me. And then after then, I just went right downhill. I went right downhill. Fatigue and just... It's not COVID or anything. No fever, nothing like that. Just a real pig of a cold, like I say. Um, but hopefully I'm coming out the other end of it now. Still a bit of congestion, but it's that... <laughs> I'm sorry for the expression. It's the lung butter stage, you know? When it all starts... When you have a cough and you're like, oh, better find a sink. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll leave that there. So, Tottenham against Everton. Weird game. <clears throat> we never really had any control of that. I'm going to blame Hoybier again. I know I know nobody wants to hear that. I know it gets people angry when I blame Hoybier for everything. But, but, I come armed this time with stats courtesy of somebody else. Um, let me just find it. Two seconds. So Tom Hooper, good lad Tom, I think he actually does stats for, so Tom Hooper does, he's actually the stats man for DAZN and Opta, all right, um, I'm sure one of many stats people, but still, one of the stats men for DAZN and Opta, Spurs fan as well, who says the win rate when Hoybier starts games is 13% compared to 72% when he doesn't start games. And I know we can all have stats to fit certain agendas, right? But there's so many of us, myself included, obviously, I've been banging this drum, but lots of people have, have been saying, Hoybier, whenever we start games with Hoybier, the games do not end well. If we bring Hoybier off the bench to shore up a result, fine, he generally does that job pretty well. But in games like this, he just stunts us. He just, we just never are allowed to get any control over the game. I'm not going to blame him entirely. Bentancur is not fit. He just, he isn't fit. We're all, sorry, I'm really sorry about that. We've all been like excitedly greeting his kind of rushed return. Ah, what a warrior, what a champion. He comes back. Ange tells him he's not ready to play and he bangs on the door and says, yeah, I'm ready to play. Dare I say now we're sort of seeing why that's sometimes a bad thing. Maybe we should be using him more sparingly. I'm not saying he shouldn't he shouldn't be playing at all, but maybe more sparingly is the thing in in this instance. The problem here in lies is that we've got a massive injury crisis, or have had. We've had people going off to the Afcon, but now that things are starting to get a bit back to normal, 
Saar will hopefully be starting games again. Hopefully we won't see, like we saw in this game, this total lack of control. Um, because I, don't, I just don't feel like we ever got a foothold in the game. And for anyone saying that Hoybier went off the pitch and we were 2-1 up, we still didn't have control of the game. We scored one very good goal. I mean, that first goal was unbelievable. I actually went into this game thinking, I can see this actually being a not great afternoon. I think we might actually lose this one. And then we scored that. I think that was an amazing goal. Brilliant finish from Rishi. Um, Well-worked goal. I said to Phil, oh, mate, thought we were going to get done here, but that was actually unbelievable. It might be, we might be showing up again. Because it felt like peak Ange ball. It felt like a lovely, lovely goal. And we just didn't kick on from that point at all. I mean, even when we went ahead again, that was just, that was a screamer from Richie, um, who had a good game, who has been, you know, playing very well. Was it 10 goals now? I think 10 goals for the season. Can't argue with that, really. He's up top. He's there to score goals, but he's also putting in a shift. He's pressing. He's... You know, being a nuisance for the opposition. <coughs> Beg your pardon. He's a nuisance to the opposition. He's doing pretty much everything that you would ask a centre forward to be doing. Dare I say, he's doing pretty much everything that Harry Kane was doing. Just not quite as well, because Harry Kane is the best in the world at doing what he does. So, you know, the comparison in this instance is supposed to be a good one. That's the point I'm trying to make when I do compare him to Harry Kane. Um, one of the things that is going to get spoken about quite a lot and has been spoken about quite a lot and is going to continue to irritate me, I know, is Vicario being weak. Is this new kind of set-piece technique of fouling goalkeepers. And that's what it is. It's fouling goalkeepers. Um, Nathan A. Clark of the Extra Inch put out a video today or yesterday talking about this tactic. Um saying that ultimately we can whine about it, but really what we need to do is get smarter with it, get harder with it. Um, he was showing how one of Arsenal's big techniques at the moment this season is to foul the goalkeeper, and he showed various instances of them doing that um, and them not being... You know, he was making the point that we can say Vicario has been victimised when actually he's not. This is something that's happening across the league to various different goalkeepers. Arsenal are one of the chief proponents of doing this dirty trick. Um, which is unsurprising because they are a dirty, horrible rat team. Um, and he was sort of saying, yeah, get smart. Look at what Brentford do. And essentially what Brentford do is have one or two goalkeepers bodyguards now, which are put in place to push away the person who is coming to attack the goalkeeper. And now, as much as I understand this, as much as I understand the mentality that, look, if 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 the officials are deciding that goalkeepers are too protected as you know we as this sort of ridiculous media narrative always dictates goalkeepers are too protected in my day in my day you could take a knife onto the pitch and stab a goalkeeper in the testicles and nothing would have happened because we were all hard in our day thanks player who was playing in like 2001 Jermaine Genus is always one to do this uh, nowadays nowadays you just you can't do anything right it's not like when I play Jermaine mate you were you were you were playing in the noughties and like you were sort of the type of player that people would say would go down too easily when you were playing and you would always pull out of tackles what are you going on about 
pros now who talk like they were playing in the 70s do my head in. But that, that's, that's a bugbear for another day. Um, so this idea that goalkeepers are too protected, I think, is a, is, is a nonsense. I'm not saying that's what Nathan's saying. I'm saying this is the kind of the media narrative that has dictated this for so long and has likely led to this new rule that says that goalkeepers are allowed to just get fouled and nothing is going to happen to, you know, the opposition team that does it. Now, in my opinion, right, when you've got rat techniques being applied in football like this, it's it's not going to stop there. So if you have this goalkeeper's bodyguard on there now, who is there acting as a buffer, creating this little bubble around the goalkeeper where he can still jump, you know, un- unimpeded, and actually, you know, catch the ball, as has always been the rules of football. What you're going to find is the person who has been deployed to attack the goalkeeper is now going to start going down and gaming penalties because of the pressure that has been exerted upon them from the goalkeeper's bodyguard, as I'm coining that phrase. I just think, I think you have to whine. I think we've seen, we can call it tinfoil hat all we want, right? But I think any, even even somebody that is is on the fence with it, that is, that is not that emotionally invested in the situation, would probably be able to say, as a result of Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool earlier on in the season complaining a hell of a lot about what happened to them at Tottenham, ironically enough, earlier on in the season, referees have probably been slightly more lenient towards Liverpool as a result. Right? Um, and giving Liverpool probably a bit a bit more of the rub of the grain. Right? Here and there. Conversely, Spurs have gotten absolutely nothing from referees since that point. And I'm not saying it's a grand conspiracy. I'm not saying everybody's sat down at PGMOL and... I think that's the acronym, isn't it? <laughs> Sat down at um, ABCDQRX um, and had a you know big discussion about how we can further punish Spurs to correct this wrong and further write it for Liverpool. I just think in the back of people's minds, psychologically, I don't want to be the guy to incur the wrath of Liverpool. I don't want to be the guy under the spotlight when they write another letter to the Premier League. And when Jurgen Klopp does another press conference and calls us all out, right? It's, it's, it, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's fairly natural that these kind of things would happen. If Ange or whoever or the club starts saying, look, this is ridiculous. This is however many, however, however many weeks in a row now. I mean, it's, it's two weeks in a row. That our goalkeeper's been found and it's led to goals. What is, what is going on? Where's the officiating? This isn't in the rules. This isn't in the rules that the goalkeeper should be fouled because that's what's happening. We say Vicario needs to be shot. What's he supposed to do? Apparently, I've seen some people saying on Twitter, Ben Foster has been talking about the fact that people don't understand it. If you if you just try and jump, if you try and jump upwards in the way that goalkeepers do to catch a ball or to contest the ball in the air with your arms, even the slightest nudge will make that very, very difficult. That it just That this new thing is not within the rules. And you can see it. You can you can see it. you could see it in that Everton game. You definitely saw it in the City game. I was moaning about that after the FA Cup game, but you could definitely see it in 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 this in the Everton game. It's just it is not fair. And I'm not saying this. It's not fair. It's not fair that this is happening to Tottenham. I'm saying in the in the in the interest of fairness, sporting integrity, 
it's not fair. You can see that it's not right. You can see that the goalkeeper is being fouled. You can see that the goalkeeper is being stopped from doing his job. If an attacker, if an attacker can have the slightest nudge in the box or the slightest shirt pull in the box and go down and get a penalty, which is a disproportionate punishment more often than not, if somebody's fouled right on the edge of the box when they've got a 0.5% chance of scoring a goal from that position, which then goes on to like a, whatever it is, I think it's like a 75-80% chance of scoring a goal from a penalty. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that that this can happen to goal. That we talk about goalkeepers being the most protected sort of breed on the in in the world. When we have goalkeepers who take one step off their line on a penalty and the penalty gets retaken, but we still have penalty takers that can do those stop-start run-ups. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. They should have to pick a corner, run towards the goal, not stop, hit the ball, not to run towards the goal, run towards the ball without stopping and kick it in their chosen direction. Right? It's just ridiculous. It's silly. Um, But that's a different point entirely. Um... I just think, I think Vicario's been fouled. I think the authorities need to stamp this out now. Because it's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's even, and honestly, I think this, I'm not just saying this for some kind of clickbaity, whatever, engagement thing. It's even worse than diving. Diving, I can at least understand to a degree. It's, it's, there's a form of gamesmanship there. There's a form of, because a lot of the time dives will come as a result of I'm kind of running out of space here and this person is technically kind of kicking me. They are acting outside of the rules and I'm not going to get a foul unless I go down and play for the foul. That is generally what dive. The dives are ridiculous. You saw some of them and Everton were doing those themselves are when no contact has been made whatsoever and a player just throws themselves down in a heap theatrically and that's ridiculous. We can all have a laugh at that and we can say that's ridiculous cheating. There is some stuff, though, that constitutes diving when minimal contact is made, but still contact which is outside the bounds of fair play is still made. No attempt has been made to play the ball. Usually someone has, like, nipped at someone's heels or they've tried to swing through on them. And this is the type of thing that would happen to Kane quite a lot. Kane is a strong player. Kane could withstand a lot of pressure on the ball and it would lead to opposition players often getting physical with him. And I often feel that when Kane felt, okay, I can't really gain an advantage from this, he'd just take the tumble. He'd take the tumble and they'd get given as a foul. And more often than not, they generally were fouls, even if he has played for it, even if he has gone down looking for it, right? And yeah, Harry Kane could also employ the dark arts. Don't get me wrong. Harry Kane was still a shit house, and Harry Kane would definitely, definitely set himself up to be fouled but he's a smart player the top players do that like the the very very elite top players do that they all do it they always have done right so diving is a form of gamesmanship i really do think that and i really do think there are there are differing levels there's a there's a there's a nuance to that diving as i've sort of tried to demonstrate there right with this thing it's just goalkeepers being fouled it is it's just goalies being fouled um and I don't get it. I don't. I don't get why this is suddenly becoming a thing. It's kind of weird. It's again. It feels like one of those things where there's a loophole that's been discovered, and the media have kind of jumped on it and decided to instead say these goalkeepers are being weak. Goalkeepers are too protected. Blah 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 blah. 
And so it's led to officials to be like, well, okay, I won't give these as fouls then, when they almost definitely are. So <clears throat> it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Two seconds. Beg your pardon. I'm sorry. This is disgusting. Look, I'm doing a podcast when I've got a cold, right? So what are you going to get? I'm trying to do it away from the microphone. Um, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Because it felt like everyone has sort of lost their arse a bit. And I do get it. It's annoying. Everton are crap. Um, and it's a Sean Dyche Everton. We know that they are... They're a tricky customer. A Sean Dyche team is always going to be a tricky customer. They're difficult to play against. Um, they are shithouse FC, aren't they? Generally speaking, um, Sean Dyche teams. I... I think we're going to be much better when Sars back. I think Basuma is, has been a huge miss and probably because his form was somewhat indifferent before he did go to the AFCON... People have kind of <coughs> people have kind of done him a bit of a disservice. I think people have sort of said that it's not, you know, it's not been that much of a miss. We don't really care. We just want Sarbat, myself included. I was just sort of saying we want. Sar- I wasn't saying I didn't care that Basuma was gone, but I was definitely more eager to have Sarbat. But now having the two of them back, I think, is going to be a big thing for Spurs. It's going to be a good thing. Hopefully, it will allow Bentancur to rest up a bit. Whether or not Bentenko will actually ever be dropped, I doubt. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to see on that one who plays um, and where. But we should be in a better position now. We do have a, a pretty, you know, you can never say easy, but a favourable run of fixtures ahead of us. It'd be nice to see us start racking up a few points. It is hard to see this as anything other than two points dropped, but... We never seem to win at Goodison Park. Thankfully, Everton never seemed to beat us at Goodison Park. I was I was quite shocked actually to hear they haven't beaten us there for over a decade now. Or I think it is a decade this year since they last beat us at Goodison Park. Um So, you know, kind of is what it is. It is frustrating, it is annoying, but you know, we go on to the next. I'm not really buying this kind of thing that we've been in terrible form. Um, somebody tweeted sort of the run of fixtures being like this just isn't good enough or whatever and you know that includes a draw away at Old Trafford which is what it is a win against Brentford which was yeah hard fought but we got the win and then a loss against Manchester City who are potentially probably the best footballing team of all time yeah, I don't know whatever the way it's been assembled and all that type of thing, but still, on the pitch at least, is what it is. And we have been coming through a really rough phase where we've had limited numbers and we've still managed to keep up with the people at the top of the table. I think that is something that, you know, we have to we have to bear in mind and we have to sort of consider is, you know, is is the club doing the football team doing well? And if we end the season strong, I think there's every chance we can get into the top four. An interesting debate, an interesting debate um, has sort of emerged. Let's have a look. I want to see who it was. That, um, yeah, so cock on ball. Um, 
and they they used to do they actually used to do a, a Spurs podcast. I think maybe they do every now and again. I'm not sure if they still do or not. Um, but they were they were like early early adopters, um, doing like Spurs YouTube and Spurs kind of podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and so I'm not I'm not calling them out like they good guys. I think they often have like pretty rational takes um, on Twitter and everything like that. And they tweeted that um, my worry is that if we don't make the top four, people will start saying that Ange has failed. Where in fact, as even being in contention is a huge achievement in his first season. And my sort of take on that has been, but I kind of think failing to make the top four at this point now probably should be considered a bit of a failure. Um, and it was kind of put back to me a little bit. Well, at the start of the season, you were saying that you didn't even think, you know, we thought we might be in relegation trouble and all this type of thing, which is fair. But expectations can change in the middle of a season, right? I don't think we knew how good a lot of these players were going to be. We had no idea how good Destiny Doggy was going to be, how good Mickey van der Ven was going to be, how good Vicario was going to be. That's just for starters, you know? Richarlison's looking miles better now. Um, we made a you know a couple of signings. I, I honestly would... Because like, the, the, the proposition is this, is that if we fail to make top four, it means we finished below Villa... United or Newcastle all three of which I've seen enough from this season to suggest they're not very good and so if we don't finish in the top four if we don't go on from this point to finish in the top four I think it will probably mean we've had a really bad end to the season so I, I, I don't think it re I don't think it carries that much weight and I don't think it carries as much weight as some people maybe say it does that well at the start of the season we weren't expecting much yeah, but you know, I just, I, I, no, I think from this point, like it, it would, it would be indicative of the fact that we've played a very poor second half of the season if we don't finish in the top four. That's what I would say. Um, so I think we do need to do that. Um, it would be Ange arriving ahead of schedule, if you like, but from everything that he's saying, he's not going to be here for long. From everything that he's saying, he wants to achieve success immediately, ASAP. He believes we have the required tools to achieve success immediately. He keeps talking about winning the league. So, I think unfortunately, you know, setting your sights that high, you have to, yeah, echo glory and all that, whatever. But, you have to sort of take from that that, you know, there's a risk that comes with that and the risk is that you get kind of called out for for not doing it. I think think you're trying to kind of have your cake and eat it too, aren't you? You're trying to say, look, this is great. We've, uh, nobody expected us to finish top four and we've done it, so we're amazing. But if you don't finish top four, being like, oh, actually, no, it doesn't matter. Like, we we couldn't possibly be expected to do that. Which, uh, you know, I think is disingenuous. Failure is a very harsh term. Failure is a very loaded term, right? But when you're putting that at the other end of the scale, that's kind of, you know, that's what you have to say. I would say, uh, my word wouldn't be failure. It would be, it would be a disappointing end of the season were we not to finish in the top four. And I don't think that's that controversial a take, is it? Probably not. Um, but look, we've got, we've got, Plenty of time to go, um, and I think we are going to be 
I think we're going to be all good. Let me um, let me now bring up the players, and I will try as this is going to be the tougher bit. Um, this is going to be the tougher bit because it's not as fresh in the memory, really. And I'll be honest, since that game, I've pretty much avoided it. I haven't really read much about it. I'm you know I've avoided kind of rewatching any highlights, anything like that. So this is Monday after the fact talking about a game that took place on Saturday at lunchtime. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Julien of Cario. Good performance. I'm not buying that he's weak. Protect goalkeepers. Shut up. Pedro Porro. Um, I'm going to lump Porro and O'Doggy in together again. Um, one thing, because I've seen some people say they feel that Ange has maybe been found out a bit. I don't know if I fully buy into that, but I do buy into the idea that people have suddenly cottoned on to the fact that Porro and O'Doggy are very, very important to us. They create a lot of the supply for us. They are a big outlet for us. Cut off Porro and O'Doggy, cut off Spurs. And I've been noticing several teams doing that lately. Um, and I think Everton were doing that. They were pressuring them both massively. Kept them both pretty quiet. And I think a large part of that, that, that is the Hoybier effect right there. Because what we generally have when Hoybier, when Saar is playing in that midfield instead of Hoybier, as I say, Saar will drop back and be and create a risk. He will make himself available to be passed to by our centre-backs and by our full-backs. He will always put himself in a position to have the ball, to receive the ball, and to move it forwards up the pitch. I don't see Hoybier doing that. Hoybier always hides. Hoybier always hides. He doesn't want the ball. He doesn't want it. He likes to break up play, but that's it. And when he does pick up the ball in those positions, he generally gives it away anyway, in, p- in pathetic fashion. Um, so I'll be interested to see if when Saar is back, he will help out those two massively. Um, we'll see. Basuma as well, I think. I just, I just, I'm not sure Ben Tenko has the legs at the moment. I really don't think he does. Um, Christian Romero... Good, pretty quiet, I thought. Um, I can't really remember much of note. Mickey van der Ven, exceptional. Um, absolutely exceptional performance. Probably does need to work on his aerial ability a little bit before we start. I've seen some people saying best defender in the league. I'm, I'm not really sure about that. <coughs> Again, I don't think these conversations are the best, the worst, the this, the that. 
I don't think they're ever really that helpful and never really that illuminating of anything, right? They are more often than not hyperbole. We can say Mickey van der Ven is an exceptional young talent, a brilliant player, and that really should be enough. What a piece of business from Tottenham. Um, what a piece of business from Tottenham. Um, but he's exceptional. He's truly exceptional, and he was he was brilliant. Um, Pierre Mahoybier, look, do you need to hear me talk about Pierre Mahoybier for three, four minutes, talking about how much I don't like him? Um, I wish, honestly, I wish we'd even released him in January so that we didn't have the option of even reverting back to using him because I just don't get it. I don't get the point of him. <sighs> Done. Um, ben Tenkor, lovely player, but he he's just not fit. He he just he isn't fit. Um, Brennan Johnson was he even playing? <laughs> uh, you know, James Madison not fit, but still exceptional. His feet for the second goal were brilliant. He's he's not quite his his same sort of dynamic self, but that comes with somebody coming back from a from a lengthy injury layoff. He's a brilliant player. He's only going to get better from here. Um, it's wonderful to have him back. Timo Werner was getting quite a few pelters from this one. Actually, people seem to be less less than happy with him. Um, I thought he was okay, but much like Brennan Johnson, just pretty quiet. The two of them, I just think the supply line was cut off. We weren't making any, we weren't really threading much through for them. Doggy and Poro were held back. They were pretty much stunted in all that they were doing. Um, I think Werner had a few couple, few bright moments. Um, I really like him. I, I, I'm, I'm really happy with him. Let's make it permanent. 15 mil, no brainer for me. Um, good player works hard but yeah the, 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 both him and Johnson I just think you know they didn't really have the space to, to do much at all Richarlison um, very very good very very good what can you say two brilliant goals second goal was unbelievable um, I wonder if he'd have gotten that past Allison. But still, he got it past Jordan Pickford and his tiny T-Rex arms. And that's all that matters in, in this game. He keeps scoring. He keeps finding the back. I mean, do you know what? Here's, okay, here's one of those. I will be that guy. That guy that everyone rolls their eyes at and groans at. I think Richarlison's first goal was better than his second goal. That's what I would say. The second goal was great. It was lovely. Nice piece of technique. Nice kind of looping shot. But... The way in which he kind of hit that first goal in a tight space on the volley, managed to keep it down, get it past the goalkeeper in a congested box, I thought was great. I thought it was a brilliant finish. A lovely end to a well-made goal. Um, to, to a brilliant move is what I mean by that. Um, but he works hard. He works super hard. He's quick, he's strong, he pressures them up that end of the pitch. Can't really can't really complain about him at the moment, right? You know? Class, bring it on. Um Oliver Skip, yeah, decent enough. Radu Dragushin. This isn't knee jerk, I'm just saying it's just an early observation. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about him. 
I'm a little bit worried about him. On another day, he could have given away a penalty in that short cameo. Um, I feel like he was a little bit... We've heard this. We have been warned about this before he came, that he's quite a hot-headed character. Um, I think he went into this a little bit too pumped up, and I don't really think he was paying attention properly. Um, it was a difficult, difficult circumstance to come into. A sort of Goodison Park had come alive again. The crowd were on our backs. Um, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a is a brilliant player, by the way. Um, I don't even know if he was on the pitch at this point. I don't think he was, but that's just an observation from this game. If Dominic Calvert-Lewin could really, if he could stay fit constantly. I think he could be playing for one of the top clubs. I really do. I love his movement. I love the way he moves. He's always looking to kind of exploit space. He loses his marker very well all the time. I think he's a real, real handful for defenders. Um, and I think he's got lovely technique on him. I, honestly speaking, I would I would probably take him at Spurs, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I, I, I really like him. I think he's a talented player. Um, but they n- not for the amount of money that Everton would want for him, number one. Um, and just, like I say, I, he never seems to stay fit. I don't, as far, that's my kind of perception of him anyway, is that he's often injured. He kind of never gets a full sort of momentum behind him because he's always, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, Dragusin, back to him. I think, look, it's very, very early days for him. He's coming up to speed with the Premier League, with a new culture, with his teammates, everything like that. Um I don't expect to see him challenging Romero or Van de Ven for a place in the team anytime soon, is what I would say. I just kind of, <clears throat> just watching him in this game, I thought, mm, just for the, the little part he was on the pitch, I was like, he's not quite, he's not quite there, I don't think, to be to be like proper, proper Premier League defender for a club at the level that we're at right now, yet. Yeah. It's not writing him off. That's not. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying he just needs to settle in a bit more. Brian Hill, um, largely Brian Hillish when he came on, wasn't really a abhorrent or anything, but just didn't really do much. He actually, weirdly enough, he seemed to work harder in a defensive position than he did. Not work harder, but was more effective defensively. He was tracking back a lot and sort of um, rubbing a few balls off of off of Everton. I noticed him doing that, getting stuck in a bit, which was quite nice. And then generally not really doing anything with it or losing the ball. Um, so, you know, that is what it is. Kulisevsky, just not good. Not not good. Hasn't been in good form. Um, I think he's knackered. I think he's been running to the ground for these past few weeks. He has put in a shift constantly. Um, so, I don't think, you know, the what has happened to Kulisevsky kind of panic, I don't think is necessary. I think Kulisevsky's fine. I think he's an exceptional player. Um, he's just a bit tired, I think. I think you can see that. Giving away kind of silly fouls and all that type of thing is generally the mark of a player who's knackered. Um, so that's fine. That's all okay. That's all okay. Um, Pepe Matassar came on for a little bit. I'm not going to analyse his position at all. I'm just delighted to have the lad back. Delighted to have him back. Like I keep saying, I think maybe my favourite current Tottenham player other than other than Sonny um I just love Saar I love watching him play football I think he's brilliant he seems like a nice kid 
I think he's going to be a superstar for many years to come. Um, but yeah, that's about it. You know, Everton is what it is. We draw on that. It, it's, the, the annoying thing is, it's one of those draws that feels like a loss, right? And that's just that's just what happens. You 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 bring a draw back from the brink in the last minute. Feels like a win. This way feels like a loss. That's just how it is. It's the way it's always been, and it's frustrating. And we need to get a good result in our next game. That's the way to usually, you know, stave off this awful feeling. Um, but <coughs> I don't think we need to worry about the team. We've got, you know, everyone coming back, everyone getting back up to speed, everyone getting fitter and fitter. One game a week now, pretty much until the end of the season for us. We're in a good place, right? We're in a good place. Lots of the teams around us are in various competitions still. So let's just look at it that way. I, th- I think we're going to end the season strong. Um, I can see us finishing like third, I think. Maybe. Maybe. I think Liverpool might drop off a bit now. I think City are going to blast. So there was a bit of worry yesterday about Arsenal doing. I, honestly, I can't see it. I just I don't think they're good enough. I don't. I don't think they are. Um, famous last words. I know. Um, but I think I think City are just going to breeze the league now. They go on and do it. Was it four, five in a row? Four in a row? Five in a row? That's one of the new records to them, isn't it? Um, so they'll go and do that. I think Liverpool, it depends, depends, if, you know, because they're getting Salah back soon now, aren't they? So that will probably give them something of a boost. But feels like it's the kind of the good form and everything they've had that's been somewhat unexpected is kind of starting to catch up with them a bit now. They were, they were not, they were not good against Arsenal. They just weren't. And it wasn't that Arsenal, oh, that's doing Arsenal a disservice because you don't want to give them credit. I don't honestly. I don't even think it's that. I think Arsenal were, uh, Liverpool were, objectively not very good yesterday. Um, lots of unforced errors. They weren't really pressuring like they normally do. They weren't really managing to zip the ball about like they normally seem to. Just not very good. Not very good. Um, I can't see them holding on to the end of the season. So, look, you know, I think there's every chance that Spurs can have a bit of a march here and, and finish third. That's what I'd like to see. I mean, I'd like to see us win the league, but it almost felt like this. It sounds, it seems kind of, kind of ridiculous. I don't know why, but like thematically, it just kind of feels like this result was a bit of a like back in your box. Not this year, lads. Not this year. Kind of result. I think if you're going to win the league, it's it's games like this where you cling on you manage to hold on and you win that 2-1 and you think phew right glad that one's over but we didn't and that I think is generally telling when we when you're talking about the minuscule margins like Connor and I were saying that if Spurs had won this and every other game for the rest of the season we would have finished on 91 points which you're not even entirely convinced with this Man City in existence would win the league anyway so it's always going to be an uphill battle. Um, and I'm not saying because we haven't won every single game from the point that we said we would based on an arbitrary notion that we're not going to win the league. I just, I, you get what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, hope it hasn't been too appalling to listen to me through this cold. Um, I'll hopefully be better soon. Because um, it's appalling, isn't it? Um, 
But yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you are listening to this, I keep, I'm going to keep asking you this because not many of you are doing it, right? There's plenty of you who, after this weekend, said, where's the pod? You have the temerity. You have the temerity to come to me, a podcaster. You, a mere non-podcaster, coming to me, a podcaster, and saying, where's the pod, right? And half of you don't even, on the Spotify, if, you, if you're doing it on Spotify, it's a piece of piss. You literally just click on a little star icon, five, right? Click on a little star icon and that's a rating. That's fine. If you're on Apple, I don't know, maybe it's a more convoluted process. But still, leave it a rating, leave it a short review. Even if you want to call me a cornflake munching fan, do that. <coughs> but ratings, reviews, all that. Help get this served to more people. Thank you very much. If you do want to go even one step further than that, do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash rtrpod, where there's lots more stuff to be found. I've put some of it out on the main feed across this season, just to give you a wee taster of it. And that does seem to, you know, that does seem to have a bit of pull through. Some of you seem to like it. A lot of people like Phil. I like Phil. He's a good lad. Um, if you want to listen to more, sorry. If you want to listen to more Phil, um... Do it. Sign up. Patreon.com slash RTRpod. Um, but yeah. Failing that. All good. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. It's going to be all right. Let's not worry. It's all good. I'm not a happy clapper. But it's going to be all good. Come on you Spurs. Up the Spurs. Much love. Good morning. Good evening. And good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.